Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. Turn with us tonight to the book of Isaiah, chapter number 53. Isaiah, chapter number 53, um, goes right along with what's already been shared tonight. Um, Bible readers will recognize Isaiah 53. Uh, Certainly a wonderful passage. The New Testament, as you know, is full of God-breathed truth concerning the life and the purpose of Christ. But nowhere in the Old Testament is the suffering and the glory of Christ so plainly and fully prophesied as it is in this one chapter. And uh, I want to read the whole chapter, so uh, stay open your Bibles if you have one and read with us if you can. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, And as a root out of a dry ground, he hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Now he's talking about Christ. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. Thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. 
He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. And by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Father, we pray you'd open your word to our hearts and open our hearts to your word. Teach us, we humbly pray. May Holy Ghost conviction rest in every heart. May we all be challenged as we see the suffering of our Savior and why it is he died. May all of this glorify Christ who alone is worthy, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew Henry said this of Isaiah chapter 53. When I read it, I thought it worthy of writing down. It says, This chapter is so replenished with the unsearchable riches of Christ that it may, may be called rather the gospel of the evangelist Isaiah than the prophecy of the prophet Isaiah. So much about what Isaiah 53 contains is concerning the passion of Christ. It's concerning the life and the suffering, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the cross, the thieves, All of those things that Christ endured when he bore my sin at Calvary, all of those things you'll find here in Isaiah 53. As the man Isaiah prophesied concerning this, there's no question that the Holy Spirit was was laying out in these 12 verses a clear path for those that would believe in the Messiah to come, a clear direction of what the Messiah would go through, and yet they still missed it. They still missed the purpose. They still missed the calling of Christ, why he came, and what he did. But Isaiah 53 is full. It's rich. There's no way you could preach it now or, or, or ever, all of it. It's rich in, in its fullness of detail concerning the suffering Savior. You find in Isaiah 53 the sufferings that Christ would needs endure. You find in this chapter the atonement for the sins of mankind. All atoned by the one who had committed no sin himself. You find the guilt of man making plain that it was because of our sin that he had to die. You find his patience and his sinlessness as he went through all that he endured to become the sacrifice that God would accept for the sin of man. He was so patient. According to this, he opened not his mouth. You find the glory that will come to him afterward, 
the glory that he would receive as he ascended back unto the Father, the glory as the only begotten of God who sits now at his right hand and makes intercession with all of us. This truly is an unsearchable passage of Scripture, full of those truths that set us free. I don't know how many times, and you are likely the same as me, when we open up Isaiah 53, how many times my tears have found the page, how many times they have poured onto this particular page as I read about the suffering of the Savior, and I know that he did it all for me. I'm the reason that he had to suffer. I'm the reason he had to die. And as we read such powerful truth, surely our hearts ought to be moved. But knowing the task, um, God has given me just a fraction of the work to share with you tonight. And I want to look at just three particular verses. And I want you to see in particular tonight uh, this this truth that Jesus Christ was doing the will of the Father. Just that. There's so much that we could say, and I can't help but say some of it. Uh, You you can't pass this truth and (laughs) not somehow honor the Lord for the great suffering that he endured so that I could go free. But I want you to see tonight, and I'm going to try my best to take these few verses and and to to share with you what God shared with me. What a blessing. I want you to know that Jesus Christ came into this world to do the will of his Father. The Bible said in John chapter 4, verse number 34, Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. In John chapter number 6, verse 38, he said it this way, For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And again, you find in Luke chapter 22, verse 42, Jesus being in the garden and praying unto the Father, he said, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Now, that's just a few scriptures. I, I couldn't read them all to you. How many times that Jesus made it clear to those that he was preaching to or sharing with or to his own disciples that he would speak with all in private or some in public. But regardless, how many times did Jesus make it clear? The reason that he was here was to fulfill the will of the Father. May I say to you today that the reason Jesus Christ uh, came, was born of the virgin and lived a sinful, sinless life and bore my sin at Calvary and suffered all of that hardship. The reason that he was tortured, the reason that he was humiliated, all of those things were to bring about the, the atonement for mankind. But may I also say that all of these things were fulfilling the will of God, which was before ordained from the foundation of the world and in eternity past, the Lord Jesus was set to come because of the will of the Father. Now, I want you to grasp this truth because it's, it goes beyond 
beyond comprehension that a father would send his own son. That God Almighty would send his darling son. That the only begotten of God would be the one, the only one that could go and could die for mankind. And from the foundation of the world, it was settled, it was decided, it was the plan of God, the plan of salvation from the very beginning was that Jesus would have to be born. Born unto a virgin so that he also could dwell in flesh. Born in the flesh so that he might die in the flesh for mankind. He would become the ultimate sacrifice for the sins of all the world. And friend, all of this was the will of the Father. It was the will of the Father. Oh, how humbled I am. (laughs) I don't know how to even preach it. How humbled I am at this truth that God in his infinite wisdom and God in his almighty power and God in everything he could have done or changed, he made the way for you and I to be saved. And what it involved was sending his own son to die for me. Oh, what love drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to me. <laughs> oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary when he sent Jesus to die for me. May I say to you today that everything Jesus endured was the plan of the Father. It was the will of the Father that he suffered. It was the will of the Father that he be tortured. It was the will of the Father that he be humiliated. I don't know how you grasp this in our minds, but it was the will of God all along that the Lamb of God would bear the torture that was meant for you and I, that Jesus Christ would become the suffering Savior for a world that was lost and unworthy of him. A world that had no right to him. A world that was without hope and alienated from God and yet he sent his son and it was the will of the Father that Jesus Christ suffer for you and I. Let's look at just a few verses tonight from Isaiah 53. Verse number four is where we'll begin. Verse number four says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. May I say that everything that Jesus went through, (laughs) I'm going to say this as reverently as I can, everything that he had to endure was the will of God. Have you ever wondered sometimes whether or not God's will was that you suffer? I believe suffering comes along with being a Christian. I believe that suffering is a part of who we are. I believe suffering is how the Lord Jesus takes the, the gold which is in us and begins to try it by fire. Did you know today that when you truly put the gold into the furnace and you begin to purify it with the heat and and the dross comes to the top and he takes that off. You know how they know when it's really pure? When they can look into the gold and they can see their reflection. Is it not a truth today that God uses suffering, amen, to bring us to a place that we're gold in his eye and when he looks in our heart, he he sees his reflection. How many times has he used the hard things of life to purify you and I? But can we remember today? Can we say and rejoice tonight in knowing this truth that it was God that smote his son? 
Oh, that God is the one responsible. The Bible said that he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken. He was smitten of God. You see, there wasn't any Roman soldier had power over Jesus. There wasn't a band of Jews that could have crucified him. At any moment, he could have cried, and ten thousands of angels would have rescued him. He is the King of kings and is the Lord of lords. He could have done anything he wanted to yet we find he hung on that cross that he bore my sin suffering as they had beat him unmercifully and the blood had drained from his body all the way to Calvary and then laying down on that cross as they nailed him to it the blood continued to flow Having given up the ghost, even then they pierced his side and out came more blood and water. Oh, that we could realize today that everything Jesus Christ went went through was according to the will of God. It was the will of God that his son received the wrath of God at Calvary. Oh, that Christ would bear it for me. That Christ would read and take that cup and drink its bitterness to allow the humiliation and the weight of sin and the violence of sin, the wickedness and the vileness of sin. He bore it all at Calvary and this was the will of God. The will of God, you see, was that Christ suffer. The will of God for Jesus Christ Isaiah would say it like this. He was smitten of God. Oh, what a truth that everything Jesus Christ endured at Calvary was the will of God. That it was God who had ordained the suffering he would go through. It was God who ordained that to a whipping post they would tie him and beat him with that cat of nine tails. It was God who would ordain before the foundation of the world that they would place a crown of thorns on his head. And as those thorns pierced through the skin of his skull, the blood would drain and drain and drain from his body, from everywhere that they had hit him. And be, and all the while, this was the will of God. The will of God. You see, the Romans weren't doing something that God had no power to stop. They were not nailing to a cross because God lacked the power to deliver Jesus from the cross. No, what I want us to see tonight, from the foundation of the world, God had planned every step to Calvary. And when Jesus said, I'll go, he knew why he was going. He knew. And time after time in the Gospels, we find that he told them that he he was intent on doing the will of the Father. And the will of the Father, according to Isaiah, was that Christ would be smitten. Smitten of God, verse number six. Verse number six. All we like sheep have gone astray. 
We've turned everyone to his own way. And listen, the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. To think about it this way, Jesus wasn't receiving the sin. It was God who was placing upon Christ our sin. He was the sacrifice. You'll remember in the Old Testament example of this when there was a lamb that was given for the sins of the people. There was another one that was present. It was called the scapegoat. The Bible said the priest would put his hands upon the scapegoat. And he would, he would in, in effect, put the sins of the people on the scapegoat. And then they would lead that thing somewhere out in the wilderness and turn it loose. In, in effect, saying that the sins of the people were forever departed. They were gone. They were away from. Not only was there a sacrifice, but there was a, there was a disappearing of sin. May I say to you today that what Jesus bore, and I believe today that he dreaded the, the suffering that was coming. You couldn't live, you couldn't be in the flesh and not dread such horrifying things to come and, and the pain that he would have endured. All of these things, the suffering of the Savior, no doubt, he must have dreaded. And yet I believe what he dreaded most of all was the fact that sin, he had to take sin. He had to receive what God was going to take. And I want you to know that, listen to me, this is important. God sees every sin, past, present, and future. God knows every sin that'll ever be committed. He knows every thought that's ever been thought, everything that is a violation of the word of God. He has already seen it. And may I say to you today, it is that God. It is him to whom justice had to be given. It was him to whom the price had to be paid. He's the one that says, here is the amount of guilt. And that God from past, present, and future gathered every sin to be died for. And he laid on him the iniquity of us all. Oh, that was God's plan. Bless his holy name. That God made a... Oh, that Jesus would do it is beyond what I can comprehend. That he would bear my iniquity. You see, he who knew no sin would take on the sins of every human that had ever breathed or would ever breathe. Jesus Christ had to receive from God the iniquity of us all. Of us all. Jesus had to receive that. And it was God that laid on him all of the sins of mankind. Oh, what an amazing truth that everything Jesus went through was according to the will of God. You see, smitten of God he was, but also uh, even, even the suffering of Christ uh, more than was God when he laid the sin of us all upon him. Verse number 10. Verse number 10, the last one we'll look at. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. <laughs> oh, I don't know how you say this. But Isaiah said it. It pleased the Lord to bruise. I don't. Had it been my son, I don't know that I could find 
any pleasure at all in what was going on. I tell you, Jesus knew what he was doing. He knew what he was getting into. He knew what he had come for. But in the same regard, God also knew. God knew the very instant he, Jesus breathed into this world what he would come, why he had come. God knew, amen, that he was going to lay the iniquity of the whole world upon him. God knew. And according to the apostle, or the prophet Isaiah, the Bible said that it pleased the Lord. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. The only way I know to try to get to the heart of what that means is is to share with you John chapter number 3. Just a few verses. Let me read them to you. I told you about smitten of God and how the Lord hath laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. I've read to you how it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He, God, hath put him to grief. And yet we read in John chapter 3 verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The Bible said, Isaiah said, that it hath pleased the Lord to bruise him. May I say to you today, it makes John 3.16 have new life for me. What it took for the Lamb of God to bring salvation, friend, not only was the purpose of Christ himself, but it was God the Father ordaining every step of his Son, ordaining every part of the suffering, every drop of blood to be shed. The Bible said it pleased him uh, to bruise his own son, to bring that grief upon him. You say, how can this be? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What a new picture I now see in this verse as I recognize that God loving the world was the very epitome of sacrifice. God loving the world was him sending Jesus and smiting Jesus on the cross, delivering for you and I salvation through his own son for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son you see that's a quite eloquent way to say it compared to Isaiah 53 what Isaiah did was detail for us the horrific event And get what John heard from Jesus that day was that God so loved the world. What I'm trying to say today is that God loving the world meant that his son would have to suffer for you and I. God so loved the world. Now see if you can wrap your brain around this. God so loved the rich, the unworthy, the heathen, the most vile among us. God so loved the rich 
that he gave his only begotten son. And when I say gave, I'm referring to Isaiah 53, who goes into detail on what that meant. When God gave his son, he ordained every bit of the suffering that Jesus would go through. It was the will of God concerning Christ to suffer. He said to the disciples one time when 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 he was talking to the two old fellow or two fellows on the road to Emmaus and their hearts were broken. And he said, What's wrong? And they said, Why well, how can you not know what's wrong? And they told about how Jesus, who he was, mighty in work and deed and all, and they've they've killed him. They've killed him, and now some of his own have come back and said that he's not even in the tomb. Jesus said, oh, fools of heart and slow to believe. And you know what he said to him, Jerry? He looked him in the eye, and he said, ought not Christ to have suffered to enter into his glory? See, even in his resurrection, Jesus was telling the same story. He was telling them the same thing. My meat is, is to do the will of God. My meat is that I must suffer, that I might enter into my glory. And as he looked at him, he said, Ought not Christ to have suffered and entered into his glory? And there he began to preach the prophets. I hope they have instant replay in heaven. I want to hear that one. Don't you? I want to hear that message. The message Jesus preached to them two old boys. But I believe I know what part of it was. It came right out of 53 Isaiah. Huh? Can you imagine Jesus preaching this gospel to them two old boys without including that part? Right? See, that would have been pivotal. That would have been the crux of it. That would have been the very part where he said, do you not remember Isaiah 53? And he goes through all those 12 verses and their eyes are opening. As they hear what he's saying, they recognize that is exactly what Jesus just went through. But all of this was the will of God. Sometimes I complain about some of the Smallest of things that God takes me through. And yet we find that when Jesus endured the will of God for him, at Calvary he opened not his mouth. As a matter of fact, he looked out, Alfred, and he saw the likes of you and me standing out there cursing him. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Oh, the suffering of the Savior. Oh, what he went through. How many seen the passion of the Christ? I watched it once. And I have not watched it again on purpose. I don't even know if it comes close to what Jesus went through. But what they showed in that film... I just wept. I just wept. But to know that everything Jesus went through 
was so that he might fulfill the will of God. That everything that was ordained that Christ must suffer was ordained of God. Every hard thing that Jesus had to endure. This blows my mind. was because it was the will of God. Why? I'm going to go back and tell you. For God so loved the world that he gave. All that word gave just ain't hardly sufficient. You got to take the entire chapter of Isaiah 53 and just kind of stick it under gave. You see what I'm saying? He gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, right? That means you... That means that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you know what the will of God for you is? That you be saved. The Bible said it's not his will that any man perish lost, but that every man come unto repentance and be born again. That's the will of God for you. And I can tell you that the will of God, before you and I ever had an opportunity to shed a tear and say, save me, I repent, save me, before we could ever do that, it was the will of God the Father to send his only son. Jesus was born into this world. (laughs) Uh, It just gets bigger in my head. You remember when he, he stayed back when they were at the Passover and they left him? And they realized two or three days later that Jesus wasn't with them and they had to turn around and go back and they found him and he said, should I not been doing my father's business? My father's will. Even then. I don't know. If, if that don't move you, I don't know what will. But it melts my heart to think that everything, everything Jesus had to endure, they had agreed upon before Adam was ever made. And one day, this poor old Pharisee would sneak out during the night. And he'd sit down beside Jesus and ask him. And Jesus would look him in the eye and say, For God so loved the world. That he gave me. His only begotten son. He gave me. He gave his only begotten son. That whosoever would believe in him. Should not perish but have everlasting life. He'd say to Nicodemus. For God sent not his son into the world. To condemn the world. Right. See every sinner out there. Thinks that God is condemning them. 
And yet what we know about the gospel is Jesus didn't come to condemn, not one. What he came to do was to save. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. And whosoever believeth in him is not condemned. But whosoever believeth not is condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Let me, let me close with this. Let me close with this. There are people today that think it doesn't matter when you die, everybody gets to go to heaven. That's not true. They say, well, if, if that's not true, then surely God is not good if he casts people into hell. God has every right and is just in every way to cast all of us into hell because we are all sinners and undone without God. But God made a way, one way, only one way. And that was through Jesus. And Jesus fulfilled the will of the Father by suffering in my place, by dying for my sin. And he made a way that I could go free. Here's what I'll promise you will not happen. When you stand before God on that day of judgment, and when that book is opened, If you have rejected Jesus Christ, he will without hesitation say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. You know why he'll do that? I just told you what he did to Jesus. Every tear, every drop of blood, every hurt, Every grief, every sorrow, every transgression that he bore, he did all of that to his son. Now, you think you'll stand before God and think for one minute he will not honor what Christ did. You're wrong. The only thing that can get you into heaven is believing in Jesus Christ. The Bible said Jesus, having done the will of the Father, the Bible said he's been given a name above every name. He is highly exalted. He is the Lord of Lord and the King of kings. There is one Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. He came by the will of God and died, suffered and died so that you and I could live. If you don't get born again, you will go to hell. Because you will have rejected everything God did to his son. And I promise you, he will not dishonor not one drop of blood that Christ shed for you. Come get us home. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Oh, what it means to me now, 
I don't know if it helps anybody else, but this has helped me tremendously in the last day or two. It's a reminder, Alfred, the, the, the price that was paid. Not only did Jesus suffer, but it was God doing it. Isaiah said, smitten of God. God laid on him the iniquity of us all. It pleased God to bruise him. When you look at it that way, John 3.16 takes on a whole new light. Yeah, he gave his son, but you needn't forget what that means. Isaiah 53, what that means. Jesus was doing the will of God. And as he suffered, it was God pouring his wrath that was meant for you on his own son. That's what propitiation means. That's what atonement is about. It's that Christ stood for you and received the wrath of God. Died and then of his own power rose again so that he could make you live. Right? If you don't know him tonight, if you're lost, God gave Jesus for you. And you'll have to receive him while you're here. You'll have to accept him as your Lord and Savior while you're here. Because once you die, your chance is up. It's over. There's no more opportunity for you. And if you die without Christ, you will not go to heaven. You will go to hell. And the torments of that place, that's a different message. But the torments of that place are never ending. He died for you today as we sing If you're here and you need him tonight, I'm just going to ask you to do what your heart's telling you to do, and that's to repent of your sin and ask the Lord to save you. That's as simple a prayer it need be. God, forgive me. I need you to save me. If you need him tonight, we'll invite you to come. Come and pray.